Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches make a better business and a better world. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting to those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. We'll find out how circular principles can create value, increase resilience and reduce risk to make a competitive, sustainable organisation. You'll find the show notes and links at www.circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to updates and useful resources. It's episode 24 and I'm recording this on the 26th of March 2020. The news today is that 196 countries around the world are now affected by the coronavirus pandemic. We hope you and your family are staying safe and well and you're able to get food and basic supplies. This crisis is throwing the fragility of our long distance supply chains into sharp relief. Because most business models are geared up for single-use products, we lack resilience when things don't go according to plan. Suddenly, we realise that all our medical equipment is made overseas, or that we can't easily restock our food. Remanufacturing is one of the circular economy strategies that helps us keep products, components and materials in the system. It means we can have high-quality, reliable products and equipment, with pretty much the same performance as a new version and costing significantly less for the customer, society and our environment. In today's episode, I'm talking to Steve Haskew of Circular Computing, which remanufactures high quality top brand laptops, including Dell, HP and Lenovo. They're certified carbon neutral with performance tested as providing 97% compared to a new model. Circular Computing has been remanufacturing since the 1990s and provides laptops to education, public sector and even direct-to-consumers. Every machine goes through a 100-plus point check. Any worn components are replaced and selected components are upgraded to give them a performance boost. The company now has over 250 staff and remanufacturing capacity of up to 10,000 units each month. Circular Computing calculates that each remanufactured laptop saves 380 kilos of carbon dioxide, 190,000 litres of water and 1,200 kilos of mining materials. Let's talk to Steve. So in the, in the 80s, everything was on the mainframe, which was a big piece of equipment in the, in the big supercomputer in the, in, the, in the basement generally. And every desk would, might have a green screen terminal on it wired into that computer. That was computing version 1.0. Uh, then Microsoft came along uh, and the PC and, and Apple kind of followed suit in the, in the 80s and early 90s. So we're talking sort of 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as... Um, as software became um, more demanding on the processing power of the hardware, so IT hardware had a natural upgrade path and the manufacturers of the hardware had a natural pipeline for future business. 
and and, and that's how linearity in the IT, in the IT industry became about and, and it became a habit so every every three years or so it would be very typical for a a, a laptop or a, a desktop computer to, to run out of its warranty there'd be a, a warranty risk on the side of the client and they would go through an upgrade path and sometimes you might get a three-year lease agreement that's quite common so it'll be financed as opposed to paid for, for by cash as that agreement came to the end of its primary term should be the 36 month so the supplier would be knocking on the client store saying it's about time you look at upgrading your computers and the upgrade path was set and then the refresh would happen mm. and, and, and that's it, typic- even, for, even for home users three years kind of used to be the the cycle didn't it because yeah after three years you would find that your pc was going so slow um you know because all the programs that you were running on it had got more memory hungry but the memory yeah. that you'd bought that was that was high spec three years ago was now mm. woefully underperforming yeah the but the behavior the behavior wasn't uh, just a, it, was, it wasn't a bad decision by the consumer it was a it was a decision based on on um, it needed more firepower mm. um if you if you if you then go forward 25 years to present day in fact we saw it about 2014-15 where processing power got to a sort of a, a plateau uh, laptops, which, which is our specialism, kind of are as thin as they possibly can be, give or take a millimeter. Uh, there are fashionable designers that can create uh, a nicer, slightly slimmer looking model, but generally they're about as big and as in, in terms of screen size and, 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 and deep as you want to have them. The, the, the big shift has come in, in cloud computing, and that's about to go through another gear change where, where the, the processing power of the device, be it a mobile phone, uh, an iPad, a laptop computer, or a desktop computer—they're looking at pretty much the same image, and so the the actual computing power is the ability to get that data from the cloud through the invisible pipe that is air onto the device that you're staring at. And all of a sudden, you go, "Okay, well, my my laptop can actually do what my iPhone can do. Mm. You know, it, it can pretty much do everything I wanted to do." Um, and if if that if that then is true, then it is the um, the the efficiency of cloud computing and the ability for that laptop to communicate with the data up in the cloud that is the that is the important part. And now we've got five G coming along, um, mobile applications becoming more um, more efficient in how they're being made and and and, and, and consume physical computing power. Mm. So that's sort of the backstory. So, so if if that is true, then the que- the next question is, okay, well, if that is true, why doesn't the consumer really understand that? And they might, but they like they like nice new and shiny kit. That's what they like. We we're programmed to like tech, and you're either a tech person or you're not. Um, and there's a, there's a brackets around buying new, which is linearity, which your um, your listeners will know about. You then need to think about, okay, well, if, if it is true that um, I could supply a unit that has gone through a secondary remanufacturing environment, so I'm not asking the user to compromise on their experience, then is it possible that we're able to create an environment where we can remanufacture when uh, we specialize in laptop technology at the moment, is it possible that we can remanufacture laptop technology? 
so we believed we could we were that committed that we took all of our money pretty much and uh, invested in a factory that does just that job it takes large volumes of computers from around the world and it uh it, it remanufactures them which includes um well, you, you wouldn't know it's it's not new, put it that way. Mm. And we've had comments from manufacturers when we've been showcasing the product, which is, this is literally just like new. So we know that we've got the, the quality part of the conversation correct. Mm-hmm. It's then a case of then speaking to the customer and saying to them, you only buy new, why is that? And then you have the conflicting uh, political parts internally. You've got the IT team sustainability team and the finance teams all with a different agenda and opposing agenda sometimes and the mm-hmm. IT guy might say to us his sustainability guy well look I'll tell you what I'm recommending a brand new laptop um, environment if you're happy to take responsibility for a circular computing product I'm happy to I'm happy to accept it and so then you have the politics internally of I know my job you know your job stay out of stay out of the territory so to speak um, and so it, it really is then a transference of knowledge, talking about the things that we, we, we adhere to within the circular uh, economy, you know, resource preservation, um, particularly within the IT industry, you know, human rights abuses, um, uh, va- value for money. So it might be that people think that a circular computer is more expensive than new. So we've had to look at the, the economies of that. Mm-hmm. And then the user's point of view is how, then how do you separate remanufactured from refurbished mm-hmm. so it, it might be that um that steve Haskey on a, on a on a friday goes well i'm going to just going to sell my laptop and stick it on ebay for 100 quid and i'll, I'll mark it down as refurbished or remanufactured mm. and so it's it we enter we enter a, a, a place of well actually the world of second user products is fairly unregulated and yeah. there's a lot of buy, there's a lot of buy side risk. Because in, so, which in, is in the US, remanufacturing has regulations behind it, doesn't it? And to say yeah. that a remanufactured product has to have the same level of warranty as the new equivalent. Um, but as you say, over here, it's less regulated, and there is no no definition that a that a buyer could turn to in terms of. Um, you know, EU or, or country legislation that says I've bought this labelled as remanufactured, that therefore mm-hmm. means it has to have this, this and this. And the kind of yeah. you know, the dif- differentiation between just pre-used, refurbished and then remanufactured, that those we could do with those policies being set out so that people kind of know with more sh- uh, surety what they're going to get. That's pretty much you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. So when when you buy anything that that you're not familiar with, you have a um, like a measure that goes off in your mind. So if you, I'm not suggesting that everything on eBay is is price measured, but I would mm-hmm. suggest it might be. You know, you you set a limit to which you're happy to pay for a secondhand product, and you set an upper limit, and then once the upper limit is reached, you're out of the bidding. That's generally how people appraise buying anything that is unfamiliar to them they'll, they'll say okay well i'm ha- i don't really know don't really know what it is mm. um there's a therefore there's a bit of buy side risk uh, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll value my risk at at a price x pounds or x dollars and that's subconsciously what goes on mm. 
So what we've done is, from a circular computing point of view, is we've taken away that buy-side risk, um, meaning that um, you know, we're a 25-year organization. We're, we're part of a bigger organization called A2C, um, and we, uh, we buy uh, a very large volume, very, very large volume of, of laptop technology um, and process it in, in, a, in a factory that is certified and operates as if, if it were making new. Mm. So what we do is we, the, the product would come in large volume so we might say take a thousand pieces of xyz product they that they then get uh, booked in and the, the component two component level get disassembled mm-hmm. they go through a by component uh, quality check we then reassemble and replace the critical components um the uh the the, the product's given a, a, new, a new paint skin a new body and it comes out looking like new with a three-year warranty mm-hmm. in large volume. So the other, the other misconception by the, the corporate world is that when they think of secondhand, they think of what's in their, their IT cabinet, which is generally a bunch of wires and literally the kit that nobody else wants. Mm. So what we have is this filtering mechanism, if you think of it like that, where we're able to go, right, if you want a thousand of the same model as if you were buying brand new, you can, you can have that experience um you know we can probably satisfy 80 to 90 percent of 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 most users requirements in the current in the current market so it is purely then a an education but from a circular economy perspective the customer has a has a roll in and roll out if he has a hundred percent of computers on his desk let's say he has a hundred and he replaces them every every um three months he has he has a requirement to fill the gap his mm. unwanted um, products um, need, um, and so and so there we have it. We we have a product that is is as as we believe is as good as new. It isn't new. It can't be. It can't be classified as new. And we so therefore classify ourselves as a secondary equipment manufacturer. We we think mm-hmm. and behave like a like an original manufacturer. We learn a lot of lessons. Um, from from those organizations and we have very good relationships with those organizations too Catherine so that's important uh, we can manufacture 500,000 a year wow which sounds a lot doesn't it mm. but if you consider that Dell manufactured 200,000 a day just one manufacturer so what, what takes Dell Monday to Wednesday morning to make that will take us January through to December to make so right. okay that that's the sort of disparity of where we are, and that's just one OEM. So there's 160 million devices made every year, and that's fairly stable. It's sort of bouncing along at plus two, minus five, plus three mm. every year on year. So so the laptop market we know is fairly stable. The tablet market's a bit wobbly because the, the phone market is becoming more tablety. Mm. But the laptop market for physically producing uh, work is is fairly stable. So. Mm. The so, good news for us is that we can have a, a, a foresight to product coming out. Mm. So our, our feedstock is un, is is what people are what people uh, don't want anymore. Mm-hmm. But so, it's very fit for purpose. So, so just to go back to the um, example customer, you know, the fi- fictitious customer that has sure. a requirement for um, X thousand laptops a year. 
and because of people joining at different times and um you know laptops breaking at different times and so on that's generally kind of broken throughout the year it's not that they need their entire laptop fleet replacing in in january so you can smooth it out over the year so first of all are you doing anything with the ones that are end of life at, or end of use at that customer when when you're mm-hmm. providing the new laptop so are you taking the old one away to see what you can um use from that old one we can we can provide that service so okay. what the what the customer sees as beyond economical repair let's say the keyboard has broken mm-hmm we can replace a keyboard for ten dollars. Mm. We just know where we just know where keyboards are made, and we know where to source them from. Sure. The customer doesn't know how to do that, nor does his warranty provider. Mm. So, so the the customer will have a value added reseller, mm-hmm. generally, who will provide the roll in the roll in roll out service. Right. So the customer the customer specifies with them. We need we need a thousand of um, laptop one two three. Okay. And I've got a thousand coming out, and generally you're right; they'll come out on a quarterly basis. So he'll, they'll have a planned roll-in, roll-out. Mm-hmm. The um, the reseller will provide what's called called an ITAD service, so IT asset disposal at okay. the customer side. So there's a a data provision and an, an asset tag provision that the customer needs to have removed from the device. Mm-hmm. And those are called ITAD services. So the IT asset disposal services actually are quite a, a messy, uh, messy environment in that you've got lots of cables and it requires a little bit of re- reverse logistics. And we then acquire from the ITAD. And the ITAD is generally the same organization that's rolling in. So the, there are many of those. Um, we, can, we can provide ITAD services, but in the main, we find it easy to work with with. The, the customer's reseller mm-hmm. hold and then the, the 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 flip side to doing the the reverse logistics the, the takeout part is if the customer is actually buying circular computing as well so he can roll in and roll out with us mm-hmm. if the customer is committed to an, an only new solution uh, it might be that we didn't get around to providing him with the knowledge and the, the education that he needed ahead of the buying decision it might be that he's contracted he has he has no other choice um but we can work direct or with or with the reseller partner, yeah. Mm. So coming back to those conversations then, because um, we, we talked a bit ahead of the, the podcast on that and you were talking about the knowledge transfer that you need to do to the different functions in the organisation, that procurement, the sustainability team and um, you know whoever's dealing with the end-of-life laptops, they've all got different objectives and sometimes those can be conflicting when it comes to talking about remanufactured kits what kind of objectives do you do they typically have and how do you overcome those how how do you convince them that this is a better way you probably have well firstly there's no downside to sustainability if you if you look at everybody square up and say um Do you want a a sustainable solution? It's firstly defining what that means to the individuals and to the organization. Mm. It's a very noisy space. So, but essentially what sustainability means is um, leaving enough on the plate for tomorrow so that everyone has an economic future. Mm. Sort of of gig, if you look look to the dictionary. 
Um, so it's understanding what the agendas are. So at, 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 at the top level from the chairman, the managing director, the chief executive, it might be, okay, we, we are committed to net zero. That could be their agenda. Um, and then therefore the approach from a circular economy point of view, Catherine would be, okay, if, if that is the case, then you do realize for every three laptops new that you buy brand new, you're kicking out over a ton of, a ton of CO2. So if it is true that as an organization you are committed to a net zero, then you must consider your IT strategy. The, the chief executive would generally turn around and go 100% because he's committed. He's, he's put his name onto the, onto the paper. Mm. The next part is then the, the IT guy will say, well, look, no one ever got fiber buying brand new. Um, that's what I've done. My behavior for those for like my career has been down this lane you're asking me to change lane and he will point to his chief executive and say, I'll tell you what, you just sign a piece of paper that says you'll take all the operational risks away from me and I'm good to go with whatever you want. Of course, the chief exec goes, look, you're the IT guy. You do what you think is right. And he'll, he'll fall back to his default position, which, which is, well, I, I was safe where I was. I'll stay in that lane. So we have to, we have to work politically through the organization so that, the sustainability um, uh, execs get what they need. You have to you have to go through each of the departments and get what and get what each uh, a stakeholder requires mm. for a positive decision to be to be made. Mm. Um, and it might be that it might be that they say, "Well, we 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 only finance our 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 kit. We only finance our laptops. That's, that's what we do. We don't buy them. We finance them." You then go and speak to the finance company, and they go we're not financing product that's three years old. We only finance new. And so, right. and so also you have then you have external stakeholders that have a, have a claim in the conversation. And it's being aware of those conversations to, to, to deliver a solution that's meaningful for the customer. If, if there's no solution for the customer that's meaning, meaningful, then you're wasting your time and his or hers. So it's, it's really complicated, isn't it? It's not just about providing a really good fit for purpose product that's going to be as reliable as a new one and, and better value. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's not just working within the organization to convince people either. It's much broader than that and much more complicated. It, it, it is, it, it is, it is. <laughs> yes, Catherine, <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, but it, but it's it, it, the, one of the skills that, that we have as an organisation is, is we don't we we are committed to saying that we don't sell secondhand kit cheap. Mm. That's not what we do. We have specialists that understand the circular economy. We have the special we have specialists that, that are able to um, authorise and um, and get our get our factory into a condition that produces the best not new equipment that the user will want and we spend mm. a lot of time understanding what the user wants um there's a big balance between what you consume on the left hand and what the customers you don't currently have want on the right hand and try to double guess what that looks like mm. and then putting and doing that in volume is is a is a huge supply risk and i think from a circular economy point of view this is this is the piece that that I hope everybody who's entering into the circular economy, which we are 
participants of and believe in i hope they understand that that if you build it and they'll come that's quite a risky strategy mm, uh, that's a, that, that's the strategy that we built okay <laughs> and, and now we're, and now we're in the hmm okay we need the, we need them to come more quickly because we need to be committed that what we've done in the last five years is is actually what is required mm. we still have massive massive um conviction of our commitments and the market is turning slowly but it needs to turn more quickly and um that that relies on what we currently do to try and uh, get the conversations over the line in the different um silos if you like so we'll we'll put um a laptop technology into a client to to test and sample with no obligation to buy mm -hmm. so we'll get the the it person whose job it is to actually manage the product on a day-to-day -day basis get that conversation off the table for anything else mm. um yeah and in in terms of the kinds of companies or the sectors that you're selling into are you finding there's more uptake in certain sectors where people are a bit more switched on to circular solutions well what we've what what should be the nirvana is that an organization buys into circular computing and uses that product for nine or 12 years mm. that that's that trying to convince a customer that that is the right strategy yeah sometimes falls on deaf ears and the larger the organization the the sometimes more difficult that conversation is um so is that because the larger organizations are buying more on price and wanting to have the flexibility to pick and choose from the from different players in the market kind of every time there's a a, a purchasing decision you know almost every every quarter or every year what you know what's the barrier for for these larger organizations the uh the status quo is one i think you're right so they, they have a current system that works they don't want to break it mm -hmm. the stakeholders internally who are responsible for those decisions are, are comfortable in their lane so there are there are environmental benefits i think there's an education involved with that there are financial benefits with circular computing so we we are generally cheaper um and we're able to supply it in, in the volumes that, that's required at the top table. It's just getting those conversations over the line. Sure. And when we were talking um, ahead of the, the podcast, you came up with a really interesting phrase, which was um, companies being semi-circular. So that, I thought that was a, a you know, really nice sort of visual picture of how you can be doing something that's slightly circular but actually you could be doing an, an awful lot more so maybe um could you talk through those those two strategies that you see companies employ sure of course so the the thinking is um firstly what do i do with my waste does my waste have a value in society and can i do something with it so you have the the i no longer want it conversation on the one hand and then on the other on the other hand you have the right i want it conversation and on the right hand generally that points to new and shiny mm. because that that's the behavior that we've adopted so long as so long as emotionally we feel we're doing the right thing with our recycling that that kind of has been ticked mm. uh, and i'm going to go off and buy new 
So that's so kind that... of the, the responsible recycling, i.e. I've put this into um, a waste electricals recycling stream and therefore I can feel good about my actions and I've done the done the right thing. Yeah. Um, but actually that could be ending up in kind of, you know, mixed um, we, um, waste electricals and electronics, mm -hmm. and could be going offshore and end up being being burnt. You know, just because you've put it into a what you thought was a good waste stream does not in any way guarantee that those useful components are going to be reused, does it? it you know, it could no. end up being uh, incinerated um, energy from waste or it could end up just being um, landfill somewhere. Um, I think you mentioned some UN stats that 20% of e-waste is is kind of reported and dealt with properly, but 80% 80, 80 is um, not legitimate. Is that right? Yeah, if you look at if you look at e-waste, it's a very it's a very um, un. I'm trying, trying to find the right words here. Sorry, Catherine. It's it's a, it's a when you no longer want something. So long as the person you're giving it to, which could be the bin man or the recycling centre locally, as long as you think you've done the, the, the right thing, mm. that's where that's where your duty of care stops. But it doesn't stop there. Actually, your duty of care started when you purchased the thing, mm. and therefore, it, therefore, it must end when you've retired the thing, not not when you no longer want it. Yeah. Um, so you know we have at Circular Computing we have a ninety nine point nine. It's I mean it's close to a hundred percent zero e waste. So we we have zero waste in our organisation. You know we wow. we have made our our, our living over twenty five years dealing with other people's unwanted assets. It's just that we've figured out and and by the way we've been kind of semi circular all that time. Um, but we figured out and, and have, have, have required the, the professional skills to take somebody's unwanted um, IT and effectively breathe a brand new life into it. Yeah, I think. Um, but, you know, some of the some of the stories I've been hearing recently on the podcast are circular products that are as good, if not better, from a performance point of view. And they're also cheaper. Um, so people love it that they get the sustainability benefits um and um you know kind of better value for money which i guess is you know going to be the same for circular computing isn't it that you can provide a, a better overall um value service for your customers if you, um, if you consider the so if you if you consider the three the three strands of sustainability so if you look at the environment the social aspect and the economic benefit mm -hmm. we've worked hard at making sure that those are really balanced so the the other benefits of circular computing is um, when we when, when we receive the product at, at the goods in stage it has an it has an embodied co2 footprint of of 380 kilos that was the cost of producing from a carbon point of view this laptop that has entered our system yeah it then goes through a remanufacturing process here and then gets uh, sold or financed onto the, the user so what we've done is we looked at that and went okay well if we're going to live and die by the sustainability so what we need to do is to figure out a way to get rid of the carbon footprint that it's already created which is 380 mm -hmm. kilos. So we have a, uh, an investment into reforestation. Right. Um, so for every laptop that we, we sell, we, we plant five trees, and that's done in, in, uh, in Zambia and India, uh, into, into areas where there is um, uh, uh, income, 
uh, income insecurity, if you like. So we were able to to provide generational income security for these villages that then look after our trees. Right. Uh, And you could do something meaningful. So 1,200 trees would be the, the, the size of a football pitch, roughly. And for 1,200 trees, that would mean uh, um, three or 400 laptops sold. We'll, we'll plant that many trees. So, you know, you can, if, if an organization has 10 or 20,000 laptops, they can make a meaningful investment into reforestation, which mm. is a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, and, then, and then as an organization, we, we also invest into renewable energy programs that, that offsets our own carbon footprint. So the the circular economy and the circular computing solution is not just one of of a, of a reuse model it, it it looks to reverse the the damage of the originally produced item sure yeah and i think that's amazing. a great thing yeah yeah, yeah. um and yeah. then and then try and then having those conversations is is you're not you know you're no longer talking about the technology if it is true that the technology can do what you want mr customer then the things that are important to your organization are net zero, the future for generations. You start talking about these meaningful high EQ elements, then you can literally see the penny drop out of the sky. They go, right, I've got it. I've got it. Mm. Because we won't profess to be the solution for everybody. We can probably fix 80% of the, of the operational needs of an organization those people that need today's technology, which is slightly faster. Um, and it, you know, it, it might have things that, that, that our products don't have. Then, um, then, then with all the, all of the information, they'll make the right buying decision. Mm. But 80% is still a, you know, a massive step forward, isn't it? So yeah, it's yeah. Huge. yeah. And you operate in uh, more countries than just the UK. We should probably you know, spell out some of those, those areas where you're, operating for, for the listeners of course of course we have um scandinavia so our mature markets are scandinavia benilux and north america um we we have sold products into into places like peru south africa um but not in the in the volumes that, that are meaningful the the uk market is is one that um we have had success in the education marketplace particularly so we have good reseller relationships there we, we we're currently um working with the un the eu uh, with the g7 and with uk gov to to try and figure out how we go from a, a, a linear model to a more circular one uh, what that means to them and i i go back to the on the one hand they think managing e-waste responsibly is being in the circular economy mm. whereas that's a part of it. That's the feedstock, and and what that might mean from a total cost of ownership if they were to adopt a reuse model, and then we're just going through those early, early sort of pilot and test cases and proving the technology and what we're saying does what it says on the tin. Um, and I th- I think 2020 is going to be a a big year for the circular economy. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, but it has to—it so. has to be one where the uh, the customer, the actual user, is not being asked to compromise, and in the technology space where the organisation certainly is not at risk. So if you can fix those two things with a meaningful supply from the second user marketplace, so you have to have that bit all sorted out first before yes. you speak to the customers. And that's where the circular economy is—is is supplier uh, suppliers at risk more so than the customer. Mm whilst they get over the uh, the uh, adoption curve. Yeah, and start to get a kind of uh, continuous flow of 
um, mm. in biomaterials and so on. Yeah. 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 So I think you've offered one tip for anybody wanting to get into the circular economy in terms of make sure that whatever you're offering has no compromise at all. You, you, you have to look at it from the user's point of view. Mm. What is it they're actually buying from you? It's, it's okay to have the emotional buy-in, the I want to buy in because my personal DNA looks like one, two, three, and if yours looks like one, two, three, then that's good enough. There has to be more than that. I think the, the, the learning from our side is, is that the, the IT world in particular has grown up to be linear. Mm. It's just yeah. the way that, that it, it has matured as, a, as an industry. So the participants within it have, have that mentality. That, that's consumers and suppliers. So put that on the table. It would be unreasonable to think, oh, I'm going to buy a car, let's say. I'm going to drive it for three years not have it serviced and then when it breaks down i'll throw the keys away and get a new car mm. what because the manufacturer hasn't put a warranty on so so the whole industry has been designed around linearity yeah excellent so it's, so it sounds like you're making really good progress and um mm. you know wish, wish you all the luck with um the best the next stage for circular computing and persuading more functional teams it procurement sustainability and so on to um get on the same page <laughs> with each other and to, uh, to come up with a combined DNA that matches that of suppliers like Circular Computing. So, Steve, where can people get hold of you if they want to find out more? They can uh, go to our website, www.circularcomputing.com. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and we're, we're pretty quick at getting back to folk when they when they come in to, to say hi. Or they can just uh, dial, dial our, our reception number, yeah. Great. Okay, well, we'll put all those links in the show notes for people as well. Steve, thank you very much for sharing all that knowledge and, and uh, bringing us up to speed on the challenges of creating a, a properly circular, not semi-circular uh, IT system. And, uh, yeah, look forward to hearing what the next stages are. Thank you very much. Thanks, Catherine. Circular Computing has been remanufacturing for over two decades and is growing steadily. It's finding out how to communicate the value differently for each of the stakeholders in the company. Maybe the managing director has big ambitions to be more sustainable, but hasn't thought about how that might complicate things for the IT teams. Their aim is to keep their users happy and make sure they provide reliable, robust, cost-effective equipment. Sometimes the conversations include stakeholders outside the company, perhaps a service provider who finances the equipment to smooth the company cash flow. Circular computing is talking to each of these stakeholders in different ways, finding out exactly what matters to them and building a business case for change with each of them. If you don't have everyone pushing in the same direction, sustainability either gets watered down or blocked. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? Head over to rethinkglobal.info or buy my book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, which takes you through the practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. You can get in touch via the website, rethinkglobal.info, or send us a tweet at rethink underscore global.
please let us know what you think of the podcast. And you can help other people find it by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time.